Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now save $30 on the American-made steel FS56 RCE trimmer. Real steel. The FS56 RCE is made in America of U.S. and global materials. Offer valid through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. Glad you're with us. And just like that, the final hour is here on this Monday edition. Hutton Withrow, Hot Mike across the Outkick Network. Glad you're with us. If you're listening to this great radio partner or streaming us at the Outkick channel on YouTube or at Outkick.com. Chat. WrestleMania is complete. UFC, never been bigger. You watched some of WrestleMania last night. I saw some highlights. Were you yeah, I, I went and watched uh, our guy, Seth, Seth Rollins. Yeah. Awesome uh, dude to, to talk see. to at the, at the Super yeah, Bowl. We, yeah, since we met with him at the Super Bowl on Radio Row, and he was setting up that match with, uh, with Logan Paul. It was cool. Uh, I do a, what amazes me is how many people they pack into these stadiums. They had uh, like 120,000 over the two days that they did this on Saturday and Sunday. Yeah, it's, it is a week-long event. It's a, it's a moment, not a match, I guess, is the way to, to term this. And, you know, now it's, for the most part, you don't have many of these guys that are trying to stay in character, which make them more human in their responses with press conferences. They're doing press conferences after this. And you could, you'd, the press corps there asking questions about the business, and you're hearing the psychology of things. And now the money of things. UFC, owned by Endeavor... Endeavor is also purchasing the WWE, and combined, the company is going to, with UFC and WWE combined, create $21.4 billion as part of their entertainment company, their sports entertainment company through Endeavor. And it's, uh, WWE is publicly traded, and now you have Endeavor housing both. UFC and WWE. Well, if you're curious about the breakdown, which one is more valuable? It's a little over 12 billion for UFC and 9 billion for WWE. So, UFC is the more valuable of the two properties with this combination. Um, I think this is great for both brands. Yeah, they, they are simply following in line with what is media business today, and that is to join forces. Everyone join hands, sing Kumbaya, and let's get the biggest brands in the world and put them together and have these monster companies with what Disney's done, what you've seen a lot of other companies do. They're putting everything they can together. And I think this is just another example with WWE and, and UFC. I like the split between scripted and unscripted sports and entertainment. I think it's smart to have two different branches of combat sports one scripted, one unscripted. Could boxing eventually fold up into this also and be a third part of it? Maybe. Um, Nick Khan, who is the president of, uh, of this, the merger, the WWE CEO, who's the, now going to be the president CEO. And was a massive agent beforehand. Yeah, after all this merged. He spoke with Bobby Barak at OutKick. Really good interview uh, at the site. And um, he talks about specifically what this can do for international media rights. And Hutton, I think that's the biggest part of it. They can now combine forces and go and negotiate for international television, pay-per-view, everything, that you're getting both 
with one company, with one deal in different parts of the world. And what's interesting... And that's what's going to be very profitable for them. Yeah, from a, a business stance, both companies within the last three or four years took their pay-per-view product exclusive to the streaming service and where they house their streaming services. So all of the UFC pay-per-views are through ESPN+. And ESPN Plus charges 80 or 90 bucks for that. And you also have through Peacock... The ability to watch WrestleMania, you can't get that on pay-per-view through like DirecTV, the, the old school means of things. And the, the, the companies have worked together in the past. You had uh, uh, Brock Lesnar and Ronda Rousey, certainly, have done both. And I mean, that, the year that Brock was in UFC and fighting for a title, Undertaker's there setting up a storyline with Brock Lesnar for WrestleMania. I can't remember when that was. It was in the last decade. Uh, so it's a it's a no-brainer in terms of a partnership here. And I here's the other thing to consider. Both of these companies refused to be shut down during COVID. They found a way. They took everything in-house and still brought in the fan base and grew their fan base because people would stay at home and watch. Well, and they and grew their fan base. There from home. wasn't much to watch if you wanted and a sport. They were if you doing wanted it. to bet. And Dana White took everything and put it into the, uh, the training complex in Vegas. And they've been running shows out of there. And they're, they're not doing that. They're still running shows out of there. But they're also getting back into the arenas for the non-pay-per-view, the non-UFC uh, cards. And WWE hit the road, what, two years ago? What, a year and a half ago now, I believe, to get back out. They were going to go. Wasn't there talk they were going to go to an island at one point, too? They did that. Yeah, for Fight UFC? Island. Yeah, they had a Fight Island. I, I remember island that. In Abu Dhabi. It's, it's remarkable to me that when you look at Disney, you know, they can only acquire so much more because there's monopoly controls in our country, right? Sure. Everything yeah. they do is going to be combed over because they own so much. But Khan and WWE and Dana White and UFC did talk to Disney about a possible acquisition also. They end up going with someone else. But I found this one answer interesting from Bobby Brack's piece at OutKick. An answer from Khan about, simple question, where is WWE in five years? And he says, and I quote, we think we have an untapped, scripted, and unscripted opportunity in the intellectual property space. Characters like The Undertaker and Andre the Giant. I'm not sure that every comic book fan was familiar with Black Panther, but certainly every movie fan is now. We want that for our characters. So if we do it with the right partners in the right spirit, we think that we have something that is largely untapped. So my mind immediately went to, he's mentioning Black Panther, which is a product of Marvel. Marvel owned by Disney. So was that part of the negotiation where you could use intellectual property? I know he's talking about making his own with the likes of Andre the Giant Undertaker, which WWE did successfully, but... What's to stop WWE from partnering with these long-standing media brands and using some of their IP and having crossover into wrestling with some well, of them? What we, An I, example would be seen, there could be a Black Panther wrestler if Disney Marvel owned WWE. Yeah, but are you? But I mean, how many characters could you bring back with The Rock and the characters he's played? I mean, again, for sure. But like John Cena has gone on Stern and talked about how Vince McMahon owns the rights to his name. He gets profit anytime Cena gets profit off of his name, and that is his God-given name. Um, and he was like, "Yeah, so it's look, smart to have uh, a different character." Well, no, but he was like, "Look, uh, I'm where I am because of him." So yeah. 
he can have a piece of the pie or whatever. And they, they've already got their own, uh, I, I believe they have their own production company, don't they? WWE? Yeah. So uh, who knows where this is headed? It's got my mind wondering about media partnerships and who they could partner with. And could there be crossover with comic book heroes, with movie star, with movie characters they, in the past, with a lot of things that could then no be doubt. WWE characters yeah that's outside of their own family currently they they had 1.3 billion in revenue uh wwe last year and within the first two months of this year they they had seven and a half billion digital and social media views in january and february combined as a company so i mean that that's and they've got logan paul now Who's in uh, signed a contract with WWE? Uh, you have Jake Paul, who hates Dana White, so you can build that together because Dana hates him but talks about him all the time because Jake talks back and that builds interest in the the UFC product, uh, whether or not they're making money off each other or not. They eventually will. I'm very intrigued by it. Yeah, and Khan said this WrestleMania most sales, sponsorship, ticket revenue, merchandise sales for any WWE event ever was this past weekend. And I, I, don't, I don't know how they're you know, calculating all this. Well, because it's two nights now. Yes. And, but they also said the most people watched ever. And I'm sure that's across all platforms. They could possibly consume sure. a second of it. Yeah. That they can point to that. Because I don't watch it and think it's not WWE, while profitable, is not right now a part of mainstream culture the way it was in the late 80s when Hulk Hogan and Andre the Giant and then The Undertaker was starting, or the Attitude Era. Yeah, or it was 90s. way more mainstream culture yeah. then than it is now with their WWE superstars of today. No question. So while I, I'm sure he's telling the truth with this stuff, yeah. they, they're still looking for a next level with all of this. And, and there is a next level to reach. Boatload of money coming in with their TV contracts and other things too. So uh, the partnership, they're spending billions and... I'm I'm pretty sure Endeavor bought UFC for four billion, like five six years ago now. Was it that long ago? And they're worth what you said thirteen? Well, twenty one all told. The two together. Oh no, you're talking about just it's UFC. Like 12, it's twelve Endeavor, and change. Yeah, Endeavor had already I want to say bought it was twelve them, eight. And they were worth they they bought UFC for four it's billion. Tripled. And that was the highest bidder uh, then, which is crazy. And it's already tripled in value. Yeah. Yep. And they don't have a script. You can try to build up a championship fighter, and if he loses, you know, Colby Covington, they want him to fight McGregor later this year, but if he loses, then he's not, you know, if McGregor doesn't have the belt. It's then, not as profitable for yeah, them. Yeah, you can try to pair them up, but it doesn't always go that way. Chad, uh, Jalen Carter, he's not going to visit with teams, meet with teams uh, out of Georgia uh, within the top, he was top player, top defensive player, some of the offseason things that have gone on, uh, including what happened with the, the car accident that took the lives of two people, former teammate, former staff member of his at Georgia. He was racing up next to them on camera, had initially told police that he, would, he was a mile away when the accident occurred, when he wasn't. And um, also reports that he was out of shape at the Georgia Pro Day. He couldn't do the, the workouts. He was breathing heavily. And other. Drew Rosenthaus is his agent, and he's saying, Jalen's not going to meet with teams that are drafting outside of the, of the top 10. This is not unusual. Um, if you're, how, many, how many teams do we think Trevor Lawrence met with, for instance, uh, that were drafting outside of the top 10? 
this is a guy that is going to fall to someone because I think Henry is going to be drafted first. Um, and then you have, uh, you have the, oh, excuse me, Will Anderson, excuse me, will be drafted the first defensive player drafted, I'm saying. And then you have Carter slide because all the, the chase is on for the quarterbacks. So based on what I'm saying, I think he's outside of the top five. But from there, the price tag to go get him, he would be number one on my board if I don't need a QB and I have best available player. Rosenhaus is right here. And there are a handful of players that really don't have to visit in person, city to city, with all of these different teams whenever they're selecting 15th, 16th, 17th, 12th even. I don't think that this is a, a slide at the league. And I think Carter, regardless of what has gone on, I think a team is going to take him because he's so good. I don't think the, the legal stuff with the racing and leaving the scene is going to hurt him that much. I think the out-of-shape stuff may hurt him a little bit. But the only mistake I'd say he's making is, what if someone traded into the top 10 to get him? Well, but... You know, if there's someone that's saying, I want to meet with him because we might we like him enough on film chances that are, there's though, a chance we could trade up a few spots if we feel like that's what we have to do to get him. So please meet with us. That, that would be the one mistake you could make. But I, I think if you're doing that, you've already made the decision you're going to get him. If you can, like based on the ta the price tag it would take to go get him. Um, because I don't think you would want to show your hand by meeting with him now if you're picking 16th, 17th, and I'm just picking a random number, that you're interested in moving up because then the team that would be trading out, well, you're, the, the other team that wants to move up with them to, to draft him would know who the competition would be. And then the price tag only goes up from there when you can be the quiet bidder already know that you're going to move up and draft the guy that you have number one on your board. And it can realistically say that based on what we've seen him do at Georgia. So I think if you're trading in, I understand what you're saying. I think you've already met with him. Yeah, I mean, I, 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 he's going to go top 10. I, I feel confident in saying that. I just, given everything, maybe not the smartest to just shut things down and play it as normal if you're Rosenhaus. But they're probably thinking we can't show any sweat here. We need to play it as normal because yeah, we feel you're that's normal and fine and not in any trouble. So we got to play it like we normally would. And I, I mean, can see both sides. And he probably knows the teams that are going to draft him. Yeah, you don't want to look desperate. Right? The, the, the teams that have told Rosenhaus, if he's there, we're taking him. And with him, you can believe that. Not out of the realm of possibility. There's a report out, um, and it's just, a, I say report, I think it's more opinion, that Will Levis has fallen down the... Uh, the, the first round grades, quote unquote, on where quarterbacks are stacked in some of these draft rooms. None of, the, none of these sources are named, but the over, the, the, there are a handful of teams, Chad, that have Hendon Hooker ahead of both Will Levis and Richardson. You buy, you buy both? I, I think he should be. I don't buy that he's ahead of Richardson. Okay. Because if he's ahead of Richardson, that means he's like a top 10 pick. We'll know on right? draft night. Yeah. I, I think there's a chance he goes in the top 10. I read today that there is a consensus amongst, amongst GMs. There's no way he's not a first-round pick. I'm, I'm buying that now. That he is definitely in the first round. I'm buying that he's a first-round pick now. I am too. I still think it's a way outside the box that he'd be top 10, but it's possible. 
I mean, with the, by the way, there are 31 picks in the first round this year because the it's, Dolphins don't have theirs. But if, it's amazing, by the way, how many people forego, are crushing Will Levis over his, his body picks but, and how guys who are all rocked up at quarterback typically aren't very good. And I'm thinking, boy, talk about your ultimate backfire for some bathroom selfies. But he also, like, he also took some selfies of his injury, like when he was rehabbing and like, like how his body looked. Then I'm thinking, just, dude. Like, you just you said it earlier about basketball players knowing, like, okay, this like, – Caitlin Clark going to the free throw line on Friday night, there was no doubt. She had no emotion in her face. You just know. She walked up there and drained it four straight times. Just machine-like. Joe, Joe Burrow's tweeting out a picture I, of a cigar. I watch Will Levis, it, and it's not even like the swag. It's – there's something missing. Watch the guy's – facial expressions and watch the guy when they lose You're saying he drives a big truck there's something going on <laughs> maybe but the mayonnaise thing that he talks about the bathroom selfies it's just i'm with you man there's well uh, it's but, not there's but, something but, lacking i don't know from what that, it is aside from that and there's way too many kentucky the, fans that try to make excuses for some of the poor performances, and I'm thinking, you don't have to go out of your way to do that but it's not, it's, for the guys who are no-doubt guys. But it's not just Kentucky fans making those excuses. It's Mel Kuyper. Well, Mel, Uncle Mel, you know, Will's uncle, he's got also a vested interest. Where, what do we say? The, in, the interceptions, all the, seven or eight of those aren't on him, and then oh, it doesn't matter the score. I, mean, I think the Tennessee game was yeah, brought I mean, up. Hutton, you lose by 10 or you lose by 40. I mean, who, what, what does that matter? <laughs> okay. I keep in mind, this is... In uh, he was saying some of the interceptions were he was behind by 10, so he just started throwing it to the other team, trying to make something happen. So who cares? In January, January 26th, he had Will Levis number one on his draft board. January 26th. And I, I ranted on this well, thing. What is he now? This is, uh, I don't know where he is now. I can look it up specifically. I'll, I'll find it. I, I, I ran on this. It, the, the, the headlines with the draft are extremely cyclical where you have the buildup right after the season, the national championship game, and everything in between. You then have the NFL Combine, where some guys work out, some guys don't, and you have the workout warriors who climb the ladder. And then you have the drop, which is, provides the drama of building up a player through the perception and the eyes of the media, not the teams, for the first round and where they're going to go. Because right now, the drama is around the first five or six picks. And what will be created over the next couple of weeks with Will Levis and Hendon Hooker is how many teams, after the three quarterbacks go, are interested in those two guys. How many quarterbacks were we talking about this time last year? Three? Four? Yeah, really, the one well, no, was the big one. No, Malik Willis was a first-round pick as of this time last year. Today. As of today, last year. Mox had him going first round. He went third, and third round, and that's our, that's my point. It ended up being Kenny Pickett and no one. And Levis is Levis is a good quarterback. I always have to preface everything I say by saying I, I don't want to rip the guy because I think he's a good quarterback. I just don't think he's worth the hype, and I think this is the realization because people are hearing what teams actually see and what they've evaluated, and they're being asked to compare him with the top picks in the draft. And I don't think the teams are saying, yeah, he's a second-round guy. They're, they're saying he's not a top-ten pick. They're echoing what you and I have been saying since November when the first mocks came out for the April's draft, which is the second season of the National Football League. I think what happened is they just met him. <laughs> I mean... <laughs> Maybe. I, I think, honestly, they're probably I mean, listening to other people and not watching the games he played and then just saying, boy, he physically looks... the, And then they... 
I think people are just figuring out what we already knew. Maybe so. He also but might go second overall. I mean, we don't know, right? Houston's Someone may down. love him. No, Houston won't do it. Indy at four? Yes. <laughs> Indy's that dumb. Coming up, Glenn Gilbo joins us live from Houston. National Championship tips off this evening. We preview the matchup with Glenn of Outkick.com next on Hot Mike. What's up, everyone? It's Nick Wright, and I got something exciting to talk to you about today. Angie, your ultimate destination for getting all your jobs done well. Now, Angie isn't just your average home services marketplace. It's a game changer with over 150 million homeowners served and a network of over 200,000 skilled pros. Angie has experience and expertise to tackle any project with ease. Whether you're looking to spruce up your backyard or undergo a major home renovation, Angie's got your back and their pros are locally based, often running small businesses right in your community. And here's the best part. Angie makes the process seamless from researching and comparing pros to scheduling services at your convenience. Angie's user-friendly platform puts you in control. So why settle for anything less than perfection when it comes to your home? With Angie, you can trust every project will be completed with the utmost care and professionalism. So get started at Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I or download the app today to discover why homeowners across the nation are turning to Angie to get all their jobs done well. Sixth and Peabody, our location, streaming live at Outkick.com. Hot Mike, Hutton and Withrow. Glenn Gilbo also, you can read his work at Outkick.com. He joins us now from Houston, previewing tonight's championship matchup. It's San Diego State and UConn. I never would have predicted that. No one could have these these two teams matching up. Glenn, from a it, you've covered many championship Hello. games over over the years. What's the media attendance like? And overall, what's the fan buzz around the city of Houston for this? Well, you know, it, it's Houston's got the Astros, the defending champion Astros. They were in town this weekend against the White Sox. There's a lot of talk about that, but there was a lot of people here Saturday with uh, the two Florida schools. But I got to say that most of the talk has been about the women's. Yeah, for for sure. I was at a a popular steakhouse Friday night, downtown Houston, Vic and Anthony's, and the whole place was rocking watching South Carolina get beat in the final moments. So it's it's been interesting because I've been writing about the women too. But uh, that was a great game in the opener when when Florida Atlantic got beat by San Diego State on the buzzer beater. That was was about as good a game as you could see. Uh, And maybe tonight's game will be close, too. I don't think so, though. I'm I'm curious, and I'm going to preview the matchup in a second. Glenn Gilbo with us. So in in the college football playoff expansion, the first round is going to be on campus, right? We're going to see the home teams in that matchup, the higher seeds. But... From the, the championship matchup from the Final Four, we won't see the Final Four at Madison Square Garden, for instance, because it holds 20,000 and not 80. What is, what's the atmosphere comparison as you sit there and watch basketball in front of 75, 80,000 at NRG Stadium? And 
is there a is there a way that they ever go away from it? I don't think so. They they just make too much money, you know, selling the tickets. Even if, even if um, you know the crowd's not always there, but it was full Saturday. Yeah. You know, the resale of the tickets has not been great in in Houston. You know, the women resales are much better, six times higher for the championship game tonight, sixty dollars to like three sixty. But I don't think they're going to leave the big arenas. And you know, it 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 looks really wide open, but it's just as loud, you know, and there's just as much atmosphere i find and you ask me how much media are here judging by where my seat is i'm way way behind the goal so there's a lot of media here uh as usual and and, and there's some media going back and forth to dallas uh, for, for the women's too but uh no i, I do not think the men are going to leave uh the big arenas and they're and they're going to keep the neutral sites and you brought up college football that is going to be really cool yeah when they expand the playoffs, not this season, but next season and have those games on campus in the, uh, in, in the opening rounds, that's going to be really cool. Well, and Glenn, you know quite a bit about that LSU program. I know you're not there covering it. You're at the men's final four, but what about the scene in Dallas where they're getting record television ratings? You got a little bit of controversy at the end of that game with Caitlin Clark and Angel Reese and just the job that Kim Mulkey has done in year two Winning a national championship, first ever basketball national title at LSU. I tell you, the uh, the, the Iowa win over South Carolina, and then and then LSU's win over Iowa, and and uh, you know Caitlin Clark and and Angel Reese. I mean, two great players. It was it was exciting to watch both of those games, even though LSU in the end blew away uh, Iowa, but. I mean, everybody knows Kim Mulkey's a great coach. She won three titles at, at Baylor. And, you know, I thought it would take her at least three or four years to, to win one here at LSU, but she's already got it in her second year. And she she inherited a team that won only nine games, you know, and, and obviously she was helped by the portal tremendously, but, you know, everybody else has the portal too. Uh, but uh, she just did a masterful job and, and really shut down uh, Caitlin Clark. Um, like like no one had done, you know. She scored forty one points in a, in the last two tournament games coming into this. Um, so you know, everybody was at LSU was kind of seeing who who would win the first national championship: Kim Mulkey, Jay Johnson with the baseball team, or Brian Kelly with LSU. And Kim, Kim is off to the uh, fast start, and you're probably going to see the baseball team in Omaha. What did you make of the the closing moments with the the the, the John Cena "You Can't See Me" gesture to Caitlin Clark? Well, the thing that that I thought was over the top by Angel and and was out of line was, you know, Caitlin trash talks, and I, I have that in my column this morning, and and she does a lot of stuff too, but she does she was doing it during the game and real quick and kind of general toward the crowd or toward the LSU bench. Angel was right in Caitlin's face for about twenty seconds, and the game was over. You know, and I thought I thought that was a little. Uh, over the line and uh you know especially with the game being over because usually you know you'll you'll see that type trash talking and gesturing during the game but once the game's over you know it's over and and they they shake hands or whatever and uh i I thought it was a little much by angel but you know it still didn't take away from a, a great night by lsu watching san diego state on tv and the first time I really you – know, I'm not watching a lot of Aztecs basketball during the regular season, but I locked in with their game against Alabama, 
And what jumps out to me, it looks, it looks like a football team, physically. Wide, broad shoulders, very physically strong. What, what was it like watching them up close against FAU in that game? And what kind of chance do you give them of bringing that style to UConn and sort of bringing UConn to their level of how they want to play? Well, they really, they really just stuffed Alabama. Alabama really didn't have a uh, an option. You know, they they didn't have anything to go to. They weren't used to playing that type of game, which was crazy because you know we, we all hear the SEC is so tough, but the SEC's kind of become more of a finesse league, really. And San Diego State is is a is a brute of a team, and and Florida Atlantic handled San Diego State's defense better than Alabama did, but. San Diego State was stubborn as that game came down to the wire. They would not go away. And when they finally took the lead to win the game on the Lamont Butler jumper, that was the first lead they had since the first half. They were, they were just hanging and hanging, and eventually they, they frustrated uh, Florida Atlantic enough. Uh, but UConn plays the same way. You know, they, they, they wore down Miami, and, and they've worn down everybody they've played, really, since February. And, especially in the NCAA tournament. So I think you're going to see two teams that approach this, the old school kind of Big Ten defense way with uh, Dan Hurley and, and uh, Brian Dutcher here. It's, it's, I think it's, if, if the game goes San Diego State's way, it's going to be real tight, close, and, and defensively. But I think there's a chance U- UConn could, could, blow them away, uh, could move away from them late in the game. Ben Gilbo with us from Outkick.com. They're in Houston covering tonight's national championship matchup. Then I always have to remind myself not to make too much of one result. But if San Diego State wins tonight, what does it, what does it ultimately mean? Does it mean something bigger than just, oh, great run by some teams that, you know, made a push in March? Is, is it more than just a one-year thing? Is this a signal of where we can be with the portal and where teams like San Diego State and FAU can be with the portal? Well, I think it... Um... I don't think it's necessarily going to be a big signal that that college basketball is changing because the portal was in full effect last year and you had nothing but blue bloods in New Orleans, North Carolina, Duke, Villanova, and Kansas. So, I mean, next year you could have four blue bloods in the final four. I think what it does is it gives the the mid-major schools, the schools that aren't brand names, more of a chance to get there, but they've already been doing that. You know, Butler's been a player in the Final Four, national championship games. Uh, uh, Gonzaga, you know, uh, George Mason was was in it back in 2006. So it's already happened. This just makes it a little, gives more mid-majors, more of those no-names or less familiar names a, a chance. So I, I think it just makes it great. Now, uh, you know, I think people like the best of both worlds. They like the upsets in the early rounds, but then they kind of want the blue bloods in the final four this year that didn't happen you only got really got one blue blood but i think it's going to be a continue to be a good mix so i mean i think it's the greatest postseason in in sports period because of that golden mean of sometimes you get the big blue blood sometimes you get cinderella glenn you've had alabama made it to where we thought they'd be which is playing tonight you'd be covering the brandon miller story the fact that that's not a storyline is great for the four that were on display on Saturday in the championship game we have now. But beyond that, because you don't have to co- cover the Brandon Miller storyline uh, as they try to go for a championship because they lost, 
to the San Diego State team. Is there a player or there could be a coach that you've like, man, I've, I learned a lot. I'm really pulling for, you know, a great storyline with this kid based on a situation I never would have realized had I've been covering Brandon Miller. I, I would sit and try to ponder that uh, if, if I, in any situation, knowing that, okay, good, um, so-and-so lost, I'm, I'm done with having to cover the, the police reports. Sure. That story was dissipating somewhat anyway, but I think a lot of people, I think I was probably relieved too when, when they lost because it, it did, it made it more fun. You know, yeah, you didn't have right. to uh, deal with the, with the baggage at Alabama and not necessarily Brandon. Brandon was, was fine to deal with. It was the, the handlers at Alabama, the sports information department, the athletic department. That's what made it the school attorneys. fun. Uh, but I mean, I'm sorry. The school attorneys that you you mentioned, but it, it's still a great team. I mean, yeah, yeah, oh yeah, and the attorneys, yeah, for sure. Uh, but you know, Alabama was still a great team. But but uh, it it is it is better when there's less controversy and less of a cloud around. Uh, you know, when you get to the championship games, Final Four, college football playoff, whatever it is. Glenn Gilbo will be on the uh, beat tonight for tonight's championship matchup between San Diego State and UConn. UConn has been a bear. So hard to beat. And I'm hoping the officials aren't the storyline tomorrow for all of us. Uh, Meaning, I hope San Diego State can play their game and make this a game. I'm not saying UConn loses if San Diego State plays their plays their best because UConn can certainly but maybe they can cover run with anyone. No <laughs> doubt, seven and a half. No they doubt, can play their game. Yeah. yeah, no doubt, and and it yeah, makes so, it more fun. To what Glenn's point is, yeah, I think UConn's about an eight point favorite. Yep. Um, hopefully, the officials won't uh, inject themselves into the game as much as they did in the women's title game last night. And to answer your question earlier, I think Lamont Butler is really a great yeah. story who hit the buzzer beater. Saturday comes from a, a great family, and he only had nine points in that game, but he's, he's had two buzzer beaters on the season. So keep an eye on him if it comes down to the late seconds tonight. Glenn, it was also one of the more calm buzzer beaters I've ever seen, and I was screaming at the TV to shoot it because it looked like no one was getting in position for the game-winning shot. <laughs> and then just out of nowhere, two seconds left, he just calmly did a little step back and drained the shot, no problem at all. It looked like something that was going to have to be rushed and looked terrible in the end, and he made it look smooth as silk. Well, I always like it when the coach doesn't call a timeout right there. You know, uh, Nathan Mensa got got the rebound. They, they went down the court. He decided not to call the timeout because so often you see him dribble down too much time, and then they've thrown it around. Nobody gets a good shot off, and, and, and Lamont, you know, he moved to his right, he moved back to his left, and then he noticed, oh, hell, there's two seconds left. They better shoot. <laughs> I mean, he, he, there was some, when you saw it live, you weren't sure if he got the shot off, but then he, he clearly got the shot off on the, on the replay. But it was just a great natural play by Lamont, especially when he moved from, from side to side to kind of give him a, give him an opening. And a great, great decision by Brian Dutcher, who had just said the day before, March is about the players. So he let it be about the players and didn't call a timeout. Great work as always, man. We appreciate it and uh, enjoy the coverage tonight. We'll be logging on to Outkick for it. Okay. Thank you, guys. You enjoy it. it. Thanks. Glenn appreciate it, Glenn. Outkick.com uh, with all of the SEC headlines and tonight's college basketball coverage. I've uh, been doing great all weekend. Chad, um, Jim Nance's final game in the tournament. 
Final tie. To be handed Final out tie. Tonight. Although I, 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 I tried to look this I, up. I think he did away with I it. I thought he stopped giving that out. I think we, like people like us made fun of it enough to where he just yeah. said, okay, you know what? I think so. I'm taking my tie and going home. No more ties for anyone um, else. But that was, that was also around the, the same time frame where he was going through the separation where it, it, it was learned through like court documents <laughs> that he had a, a mural of himself in his home. Yeah, there was a divorce proceeding that and so then they revealed tied that, in that with, he oh, had like a life-size mural over his fireplace yeah. of just Jim Nance. Which, again, like, whatever. But it, it, tying that into, oh, here's... I think the he, the reason he did away was, I don't want to make this about me, so I'm just not going to do it anymore. Because it was that was the perception. I, I like the fact that he had the self-awareness to do that. Also... Jim Nance seems like a super nice guy, by the way. Absolutely. Everyone I've ever... I know you've I met say, him before, yeah. but everyone I know that Great ever dude. has come in contact with him. John McClain stories about him yep. in Houston, so... I don't want to say, act like he's a jerk or anything. No, no, uh, no. He probably just sincerely looked at it and said, maybe this is a little self-referential, so I'm not going to do it anymore, right, with the tie. We still joke about it, though. And he's doing it for to take time back and give it to his family. That's part of it. And, I mean, I, I've never thought of Jim Nance, the college basketball voice. It's always been the NFL or Augusta National. Hello, friends. So I think this hasn't been like over the top from a, oh, this is Nance's final run through the tournament. Ian Eagle's going to be great, too, in his replacement. I think they'll go over the top tonight for it, especially if it's like a 76-58 blowout. That's when they'll go over the top with the Nance discussion I, from CBS. I, you know, in these moments, I kind of want tears. Like I like it when they get Hello, a little friends. bit emotional in the end. Was it uh, Nick Faldo who also... Mm-hmm. Got very emotional on his last yep. broadcast. I'm, I'm good with it. I think today, you know, it's going to be Bill Raftery and Grant Hill on the call with him. By the way, is Bill Raftery? He's going to do this forever, I guess. <laughs> I guess. <laughs> I mean, do whatever you want. He's fine. Like he hasn't fallen off at all. He's the same guy he's always been with onions and <laughs> man, man, which I love from Bill Raftery. But I was thinking about that as like, I guess he doesn't leave with Nance. He just stays on with Iron Eagle now. I guess that's the case, unless yeah. they're pairing Ian Eagle with Anyway, else. I want Raftery to make Jim Nance cry, but given Raftery's demeanor, a guy who yells onions on every big shot, I don't know that he's going to make Jim Nance look like he was chopping onions <laughs> and that he's going to cry. There are certain guys you know that can bring it and bring such a, an emotional resonance to a moment like a Jim Nance could. I don't know that Raftery or Grant Hill is going to be able to do that. You know, we're talking about how you can't script, script UFC. Nance was he scripted this. He wanted to, this to be his final tournament, not last year, because CBS has the final four this year in the rotation. And because it's in Houston. And it's in Houston. His hometown. Where he got his start. So, yeah, I mean, it's, it's a great Or at least story. where he went to college. Well, yeah, but Houston was also making a run, I think, at the time. They yeah. were n- number one in the country a couple times this year. Point being, he could have been calling his alma mater in the final four. That didn't happen. But it's the setting that he wanted. And here's a you know tip of the hat to you. Nance, we I, need to, I can't wait to, to see what he says. And I mean, it's the greatest turn in sports, by the way. He goes from tonight calling the championship game to the to Masters, Augusta National. Well, we need to set the odds on him crying or not in the broadcast tonight. I would put it with Nance, who's just the ultimate professional, at like oh. plus seven hundred to cry. Like it would have to be long odds that he actually gets emotional. I think you air. got it about right. And I, would, I don't think you'll get emotional. I'd put five bucks on it, but I don't think he got emotional when Faldo, I, I, Faldo started crying. I'd bet that with Davies' money, but yeah, even even Faldo crying didn't get him emotional. He just sat there and smiled, did his job. 
If Nance cries, would we know based on how his voice can go from one octave to the next and, and whisper to yell? That would be a talent to cry and no one knows that you're crying. I mean, if I started crying talking about something right now, you would go, Chad, are you crying? <laughs> you would ask the question. You would know. You wouldn't even have to ask because it would be so clear that I was crying. Yeah, it's, it's again, like he goes from I this watched, to I watch Field of Dreams. With he'll, my, he'll, pitch, he'll pitch to one shining moment and yeah, walk I, out. I watched Field of Dreams with my daughter over the weekend because she badly wanted to watch it. She asked what was the movie oh, where the that. guy talks in the corn. I said, Field of Dreams. She said, do you want to watch Children it? Of the Absolutely. Corn? <laughs> and then we're going to watch Children of the Corn 2 because it's better than the original <laughs> after that. But we watched Field of Dreams. She, I think she pretty much understood all of it, watched the whole thing. I was impressed. I cried in the end. Every time. It's the music and the setting that gets me to cry every time in the Field of Dreams. Once the music starts to get louder and louder, and hey. it's ease his pain, go the distance. And Dad, spoiler alert, Dad comes out, and he's catching, taking off the catcher's equipment to throw with his son. Gets me every time. Kevin Harlan didn't want to be shown. Remember? Oh, with yeah. the cameras? Yeah. Nance will be all over the camera tonight. Nance will just say, hey, turn that camera towards me. Let's get it off the court for a little bit. Let's make this about me. We were on a hot streak to begin this tournament, as we promised to bet every game. We bet the board. We have one pick left. We'll give it to you next on Hot Mind. Chad, we bet the board throughout the tournament. We have one left. By the way, Hutton, you brought some treats in today. Yeah. Holy cow. These are from the farm? They are. My mom made I gotta those. I got to shout out these. These are some sort of cinnamon nut that's a, of some, that's a, of some a, a, form. Pecan. It's a pecan. Pecan. It's, a, it's in the nut family, right? Uh, it, it, oh, absolutely. Yeah. Um, it's great. But if you have a peanut allergy, it's not the same as a pecan allergy. I've learned that recently. Oh, really? Yeah. So, like, if you – Yeah. So if you, I, have I a nut got a nut aller- if you have a nut allergy, you can eat pecans. All nut allergies are not created equal. Okay. That's good to know. I didn't know that. Thank God I never have had a nut allergy, so I can just eat those pecans. And They're delicious. Thank I, you for bringing them in. Well, and thank God because you're allergic to everything. I am. Yeah. I, I, 48 for of 52 allergens. <laughs> they tested me, and I was allergic to them. I'm doing the drops, though, and I'm getting better. I just have eye allergies now. I don't sneeze as much, so it's already it is working taking effect a little bit. Yeah, the immunotherapy drops. Well, because that's because it's working for you. Let's keep it going. Let's get some winners on, now. Let's uh, outkick.com/bet is where you can join us. We've bet every game. I'm going to take the winnings, which is I think we have two. We have two more wins than we have losses throughout this entire tournament. So we've made some money. I'm going to take that and put it on your pick for tonight, Chad, which is going to be UConn. And riding the consistency. I flipped. I'm not being very consistent because I was on Dockage this morning and he asked me my pick and I hadn't really thought about it, but I just said, I like San Diego State's ability to drag people down into the way they play. So I took the Aztecs plus the seven and a half. Okay. But the more I listen to our guests and the more I think about this game and the more you see how UConn has rolled through this this tournament, Davey brought up a good point. Oftentimes the team in a real struggle and battle in the semifinal loses and isn't as good in the championship game, I think UConn covers the seven and a half. So and I'm going dropped. UConn minus seven and a half. It's now six and a half. Then I'm definitely going with that. Yeah, I like it. Um, here's just for But a, I have changed my mind from this morning. Here's for a good game. <laughs> I want a close close game with five minutes left. Give me that, please. I want this to be an, an NBA-like game I, where 
if you tune in between three and five minutes remaining on the clock, you have a tight matchup for a game that's going to be played so much better than any NBA so broadcast. what I want to go back, and I'll, I'll do this tomorrow before the show, but so they're the sixth team to win every game leading up to this by double digits. If they win tonight by double digits and go six for six in the tournament, right. all double digit, easy blowout wins for the most part, they have to be the lowest seed to ever do that, right? As a four seed. I want oh, to go back I, and see that. It's got to be surely. like 1990 UNLV was able to do this, right? I know they did. Like not, not the year they beat Duke by 30. I bet they were a team who did it. It had to be one and two seats. This has to be as a four. Who would expect a four seed to just steamroll the entire field the way that UConn has so far? And in the path that they've done it to some of these teams too, right? Yeah. I mean, it's not just some layup path that you could point to. Like if Alabama was doing that based on the teams they were facing, you'd be like, oh, well, this happened. This upset took place. You know it, you know what it would also be? It would be what people would be saying about the Vols right now if they were in the Final Four. Well, just any – I mean, I mean ten, you see but Tennessee was a four seed too. I'm, I'm just saying any – just by numerically, that well, a four seed is doing this to everyone, not a number one seed in the bracket. It, it's got to be the lowest seed to ever accomplish this. Yeah, especially considering like they – they had a, a five-week stretch where they were a top-five program in America. They are, but top-five ranked team by the, uh, the AP. And they have turned it back on where the faucet was off once they – I mean, it's a very difficult conference, of course, but for about a five-week stretch, they're a top-five program in the AP, and they're back to that, and it's not even close. And, oh, by not the way – close <laughs> right now. You mentioned Alabama. They were one of the few teams that beat Alabama, the number one overall seed this season. They're in an early season tournament. The team they're facing tonight. Beat Alabama. There you go. Yeah. Let's go Aztecs. Let's go good game. Good game. We and just then, hope everyone has fun tonight. And then the points. We don't Let's care win. about the winner. Let's just win. Every, everyone have a good time and come together in the end. We recap that and a lot of other headlines tomorrow to hit on Hot Mike across the Outkick Network. Join us at 3 Eastern.